Mac Power Users, episode 274, when to upgrade. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm doing good and uh, doing well. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm ready to do some Mac power user podcasting. All right. So this is a, another one that we've had on our on our list for quite a long time. We get a lot of questions from people about upgrading. When should I upgrade my machine? When should I upgrade my OS? What's coming out? Should I buy now? Should I wait? You know, those are hard questions to answer. Yeah. Yeah. But we but we have answers. We do. We're not we have, messing we around. have all the answers. Yeah. So, um, uh, maybe let's just start in with it. All right. When, so when do, when do you upgrade your machine, Katie Floyd? Uh, you know, so you're asking, yeah, that's a tough question because I, I used to have a very predictable upgrade cycle and, um, I I've, I've changed my pattern recently, you know, partly just because of, of life circumstances, partly because of Apple's, uh, upgrade cycle. I guess we could talk a little bit about that. You know, um, a- Apple's hardware cycle is is fairly predictable. You know, they've kind of gotten into this routine where they have these events and you typically know that you get new laptops in the summer and then the iMacs come later in the year and the Mac Pros are a little bit less predictable, but there's not as big of a market for the Mac Pro. But I mean, it's kind of fair to say that that we we have a general idea of, of when these things come and, and we kind of have a tick and a talk where we, we tend to get a, a major upgrade every every other or every third year and then every couple maybe every fourth year and then every couple of years after that it, it tends to be more more refreshes and more speed bumps and things like that. Yeah, um I think it's more predictable with the iOS devices than it is with the Macs. Well certainly, certainly. And also I'd I'd argue that there's like um there's a tick and then there's like three or four talks before we get another tick with the Mac hardware. Or is it is, a talk and then three or four ticks? Yeah, I don't know. In fact, if you've never heard that before, what they're talking about, I think the first time I heard it was in reference to Intel, where they'll do a, um, they'll make a big change to a, a microprocessor. You know, they'll make it super powerful. And then the next one, as they die shrink, they get it to a smaller size. They don't make it much more powerful, but they get it into a smaller size, which uses less power and generates less heat. So they call it TikTok. So one is, you know, make it better and the other ones make it smaller and, and Apple, more efficient typically in the Apple world. It, it really applies to like, for instance, the iPhone, they'll have the iPhone six, which I, I would call the tick. It's the new body design and whatever new, you know, fancy gadgets they brought out last year. And then this year we'll get the iPhone success, which will look the same, but it'll be uh, better on the inside. The camera will be better. And it sounds like we're going to get forced touch and a couple other things. So, um, so, you know, a lot of companies, I think, follow that TikTok mentality. Right. And then Apple kind of mixes it up a little bit because now we've got all these these different product lines. We've got more now than I think we have in a long time. You know, so much for this four grid quadrant. Are you laptop, desktop, or are you pro, or are you consumer? You know, we've now got uh, the Mac Pro and the iMac and the Mac Mini. And then we've also got the MacBook, which is maybe higher end than the MacBook Air, but not really. But it definitely has very different features. And then we've also got the Mac Pro. And technically, there are two different versions of the Mac Pro. You've got the Mac Pro with Retina, and then they still sell the older model Mac Pro. 
you know, personally, I think they've, I, I think they're working on it, but the Apple lineup is pretty confusing right now. So you yeah. never quite know when things are getting upgraded. I think you meant MacBook Pro, right? MacBook Pro, yes. Or yes. Power Mac, whatever you prefer. No, yeah. PowerBook, no, MacBook there Pro, yes. Now, now you're going old catalog. Yes. Well, I, I think the the original advice that we've given on the show before is good. It's, um, and this is ideally where I'd like to be, but like you, I haven't really been sticking to it, is um, if you're buying Apple Care for a device, and I still recommend, maybe that's something we should go off on at some point in the show, but I think for the laptops, it's worth getting the Apple Care because those things are so, I mean, they it's so, it's like a wound rubber band. I mean, it's so tight in there and there's so little space. Um, there's heat and there's all these things that can go wrong with a laptop, especially when you're carrying it around with you every day that spending the extra 150 or 250 bucks to extend your warranty from one year to three years is probably a good idea. Yeah. And assuming you do that, um, you keep your device about two and a half years. And when you sell it, um, you sell it that, it, you know, one of your selling points is, Hey, it still has six months of Apple care. So if, if you buy it from me and you're unhappy with, if there's something goes wrong, you've got a six month warranty and that makes it really attractive to buyers. So you get a good price. I mean, it's amazing to me what good a price you can get on a two and a half year old Apple computer. Um, so, so that's a good, I think that's a good rule of thumb is, is, you know, if, if you're somebody who likes to get a new thing every once in a while, you're not someone who drives it until the wheels fall off. Um, about two and a half years is, is a good run and sell it with some Apple care left on it. And that's, I think the default advice we would give. And that's used to be what I did. I, I've done that for years up until this most recent upgrade cycle. And I, I think this is just an odd time for me. I think I'll, I'll default back to that cycle once things calm down a little bit. But, you know, I've also heard of, of some people who upgrade all the time. And, you know, their idea is is buy often and you'll always have the latest and greatest. And then when you sell it, you'll have the highest resale value. So they almost treat their machine like a lease and they're swapping them out, you know, every nine to 12 months. And yes, they're always losing money, but they're always they're always getting the highest resale value for it. And maybe they don't buy Apple Care because they very rarely hit that 12 month mark or they just hit that 12 month mark. Yeah. And that, that makes sense too. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not judging, you know I mean? If that's what you want to, you know, I, listen, there's, there's all kinds of things you could blow your money on. I have definitely blown my money on things dumber than a new computer every year. Um, and you're right. Like for instance, this new MacBook I bought, I think I paid about $1,200 for it. Um, if next year I wanted to get the new, new MacBook, I can probably sell my existing one probably in the neighborhood Maybe of a, nine. Yeah, I, I probably. And so that's not that, you know, you've basically mo- leased a computer for 300 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, that can make sense too. I do think that does weigh in, like Katie said, on your decision as to whether or not to buy Apple care, because, you know, I mean, a lot of this, I think that, you know, when you buy in, and we're going to talk about this later with, you know, how big a computer do you buy? I think you need to kind of have an idea going into it, how long you want to keep it. Because like in your um, Apple user group, I bet there's people in there that are running computers that are like seven years old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. Um, so someone like that is going to want to get if you're the person I'm, I'm this way with cars. You know, I, when I get a car, I run it till the wheels fall off. Then I put the wheels back on and I run it longer. And this is because I'm not really a car guy. I mean, a car to me is something that gets me where I'm going and hopefully it has a decent stereo and. You know, that's that's good enough. I don't need it to be super powerful. I don't need to be super fancy. And so uh, when I get one, I want to get one that's got the right stereo or whatever it is that I need in it because I'm going to drive it for a long time. And um, uh, some people take that attitude towards computers. And I think like when you're buying the new one, 
if you're going to plan the habitat for five years, maybe it's worth spending a little extra to get a little faster processor or whatever, because five years down the road, that may make a difference. Yeah. And then, of course, thing you've got to realize is that the the resale value, if that's an issue on that computer, is probably not going to be much. You, you know, even though a five-year-old Mac might have some value, it's probably not going to have much. And then you also want to be careful because when you when you wait until the machine absolutely dies, until you have to buy a new one, you just have to be prepared and obviously make sure you have your good backup strategy because that's going to turn an upgrade generally into an emergency. Okay, so you and I have both been preaching on this show for many years, the, the three-year rule, you know, buy it, sell it after two and a half years. And I'm really going to try and stick with that, by the way, with my new MacBook, you know, because yeah, it's, okay. it's working great. <laughs> she laughs scornfully. You you and my wife. Please, please the, note uh, the time at the eight-minute mark on Mac Power Users <laughs> episode 274, David said he was going to keep his MacBook for two and a half years. How well, many I, of you think that it will actually happen? I took my, I kept my previous Retina MacBook Pro beyond the three years. Yeah, but know? this machine is so underpowered that you won't. But you know what? Having used it now for a couple months, I'm used to the keyboard and I'm not feeling the under power. I mean, I'm using it. I'm not. I'm not doing iBooks authoring. I'm not. I'm not doing screencasting it. But I'm doing, you know, Pages, Keynote, Microsoft Word, and I'm running my legal business on it. And I'm doing some of the Max Markey stuff too. And it's just fine for that. So I don't know that the demands of word processing and you know presentation giving are going to get so much in the next couple of years that I'll really notice a huge problem with it. But we'll see. Well, and you know, and you you just brought up the reason that I, two reasons that, well, three reasons that I haven't yet upgraded my MacBook Air. I've got a 13-inch mid-2012 MacBook Air, and I spent a little more money when I bought it in mid-2012. I I did upgrade to the Core i7, and I, I got eight gigs of RAM on it. But I just, I, my Apple Care just expired on this computer, and my goal is to not upgrade it until we see another major refresh to see what happens with the 13-inch MacBook Pro line, what happens with the MacBook Air line, and what happens with the MacBook line next year. And based on, you know, Anantec and what they've said is that from a processing power standpoint, that, you know, your your MacBook is about on par with my 2012 era MacBook Air. Now, that it, certainly, it certainly has other features like the Retina screen, um, but you're right, it's fine. It's well, it's uh, fine for word processing. It's fine for email. It's fine for Safari. I just want to take a minute to defend the new Retina MacBook. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because an Antex study was, and I'll find it and put it in the show notes, but they were looking at the pro- what the processor can do. You know how much horsepower is on right, the and that's what I'm talking processor. about. But but the new MacBook, the bus speeds and the drive speeds are so much faster than your computer. I mean, so. And that's quite don't, often. Don't what, be dissing my computer. Well, I'm just, well, your computer's older. I mean, so uh, I think you were dissing my computer. So I had to, I had to defend, but the, uh, you know, the new MacBook is, is going to feel faster than Katie's computer because the, the drive access is so much faster. So it, I don't know, but it's, it's all about the user, David, my computer is going to smoke your computer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the, but you know, I, I probably will keep it two and a half years, but I don't know, maybe something will come up and I'll justify, you know, the idea of selling it at a higher resale value and getting a new one. But right. For for now, I, I'm very pleased with it, and uh, I really like the portability of it, you know, because I 
I work from home and I work from the road a lot. Having a Mac that I can carry anywhere is is great. Um, so, but that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about when do you decide to upgrade? Um, uh, one other war story for me is my iMac and my prior iMac got to be about five and a half years old before I upgraded it. And the only reason I upgraded it at all was because they came out with a new Retina iMac and I decided to move to two computers again. But in that computer for me, as it got older, I just used it less and less to the point where the Retina MacBook Pro had become my only computer in essence. And the iMac sat on a desk and, you know, stored data and did a couple other things for me in the background. So there's all sorts of reasons why you don't stick with a two and a half year rule. Uh, yeah. I, and, you know, just to touch on the other reason that I haven't upgraded this system yet is I, I really feel like we're in a transition period. I, you know, I personally am in a transition period, you know, finishing up my my schooling. Uh, I've got another year on that. And I think the line is in a transition period. You know, is it going to go retina? Are we going to see retina displays? I think I could be in a very different place in a year. You know, maybe I keep this MacBook Air for another couple of years and instead buy a retina iMac for my desk. I, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and your life is changing too. You took a yeah, new that's job. Yeah, so. that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so th- we're about to go through now. We actually went through and we're relying heavily on Mac Rumors Buyer's Guide, which is a great resource on the web. Um, uh, I put the link in the show notes. It's a um, it's a website where they track all the rumors concerning upgrades to current lines of Apple hardware. And uh, so if you ever think about buying, go there and take a look. And we're going to summarize kind of where it's at now. But I think that the big rule of thumb here is, you know, when do you upgrade? You upgrade when you feel like you need to. And, and you know, don't upgrade just for the heck of it. Like, because every year the computers get incrementally better, you're not going to notice a big difference unless the machine you have currently isn't really performing the way you want it. Um, but when it is time to upgrade, then you want to make a smart move. Like, you don't want to buy a new MacBook Air when all the rumor sites are tracking that, that you know, a brand new MacBook Air is a month away. You know, if you can, if you can wait a month, you might as well wait a month and get the newer one. So that's why I recommend going to this Mac Rumors website. Um, and they've got it there summarized by each type of computer and iOS device. Like, for instance, a MacBook Pro, they've got a don't buy right now um, rating. And well, but but that's just just to be fair, that's the old MacBook yes. Pro, that's the yeah. the non-retina. And that's, you, you've got to go in here and you've got to take some of this with a grain of salt and you've got to look at what it says. But it also says it's old, but updates are unlikely because this particular MacBook Pro hasn't been updated in 1,162 days. Yeah. Since, it basically hasn't been upgraded since the retina machines came out. Another one that they've got a red tag on is the Mac Pro because it's been 606 days as we record this since the last significant update to the Mac Pro. And I know for a fact, I just read recently that they're getting um, uh, new buses and new chips that would be appropriate for this computer. So if you're looking for the trash can Mac Pro right now, it's probably not a good idea. And, and going to the Mac Rumors site would be a good place to go. Like um, the MacBook Air, they say, is in mid-product cycle. It's been 161 days since it was updated and usually it updates on average about every 350 days. Um, I guess the part you're not getting from this is you know, what is the future of the MacBook Air with a non-retina screen? I don't, I don't know how much longer Apple's going to make anything with a non-retina screen. So, yeah. Is yeah. the MacBook Air at some point in the MacBook going yeah. to merge into a single product? The MacBook itself, you know, the one I have, they they give it a green light. Buy it now because it's only been out 129 days. We got a long time before you're going to see any, um, you know, significant updates to this computer. 
So uh, this is just a really good website, and they they cover everyone, like the iMac, uh, the uh, the Retina is ninety days new, the most updated Retina, but the non Retina one has not been updated. So you know, it just um, you know, go take a look. And like I said, the, the website is buyersguide.macrumors.com. I believe it's Arnold Kim is the mm-hmm. gentleman who runs the website. He's a physician who loves Apple and Mac software, everything so much. He made Mac rumors and it turned into a career for him. I see him every year at WWDC and, and I used to see him at Macworld and, and I told him once I said, you know, this is the best thing you do on your whole website. And he says, yeah, we get a lot of hits and I know they spend a lot of time trying to make sure this data is as up to date as possible. Yeah. Like um, they recommend that perhaps you should not buy an Apple TV right now. Yeah. You know, that's one that is a goofy. I, I put it in the outline because I'm not even sure what to say about Apple TV. It, it's like, it's so old. I mean, my, we have the first generation Apple TV. I'm sorry, the first generation hockey, hockey puck. The, so the second generation Apple TV. Yeah. And, you know, we can't even watch YouTube on it anymore. And, you know, I, I, every time I use it, I'm I'm tempted to get a new one because they're like a hundred bucks, but. Oh, you can buy them refurb for 50. Yeah, but now you know that they're coming out with something new soon, and hopefully, you know, at some point that'll happen. Um, the uh, the iPhones and iPads, uh, you don't even really need the website for this. You, you know, the new ones come out in the fall. That's just been the thing for so long now that I think you can, can rely on it. You know, it still amazes me how many people don't realize that. I mean, there's, yeah. there was this guy in my old office who always fell for, you know, the Verizon or Best Buy or AT&T or one of these people would have a, uh, an August or a sept or early September, get a, get an iPhone for one penny event. And I'm like, no, don't do it. Always, yep. always did it. It's, it's okay though. I mean, it's, it's, it's still good hardware. I mean, you know, the iPhone six, even right now, uh, you know, a month or two before it's going to be come, you know, the second device or the older device. Right. Um, it's, still no, it's still great, 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 great hardware. But I always felt like if you're going to spend that much money on a data plan, the actual cost of the phone, you know, spending extra 200 bucks to get the most recent camera and all that stuff is, is worth it. I'm having that debate with a friend right now who's getting ready to finally get a smartphone. And she she wants to get an older one. I said, well, look at how much money you're going to spend on data. Why don't you want to have the best possible camera? Yeah. Uh, but but so they, they've got all this stuff at Mac Rumors. Uh, it's, it's buyersguide.macrumors.com. And uh, just just keep this link. So the next time you're feeling the itch to go buy something, um, you can go check it out. I mean, like one of the r- rumors I've been hearing a lot about is this new large format iPad. And, you know, I even heard about that from from you know little birdies when i was at wwdc but we're not really a news and rumor show so i don't talk about it much but the i think there's going to be something new coming out on the ipad side that's going to be big and bigger than the ipad air and i've also heard rumors that maybe the ipad air doesn't get an upgrade this year and that you know they put their wood behind the bat on a better ipad mini in this new one so um either way if you know if your ipad or your phone is broken into a million pieces and you need a new phone right now then go get one. And if you're just thinking, you know, got an itch for an upgrade, wait a couple months. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about what we did ourselves, but, uh, you know, the advice that that we give others, keeping in mind that, you know, especially maybe non-tech folks don't care. Maybe they don't even want a new computer every two to three years. I mean, I, I, I try to cater my advice to the person, but 
the the big overarching thing is upgrade when you need one. What you know, when do you need a new machine? When does your machine no longer meet your needs or when are you starting to have problems? And I think the big thing to keep in mind is that if you're constantly waiting for the latest and greatest, you're going to always be disappointed. I mean, this is a battle that that you can't win. Um, you know, I, I typically tell people, be informed, do your research, go on to sites like Mac Rumors Buyer's Guide. I mean, obviously, like David said, if your machine is broken and you need a new one, go buy one. But if you're not in that type of situation, be reasonably informed, you know, try not to buy one the month before a new one comes out. But then, you know, buy the best machine that you can reasonably afford and then accept that a new one's going to come out. This is a little out of the order on the outline, but I think it makes sense to talk about it here. My wife, Daisy, uh, she has a now over three-year-old uh, 13-inch MacBook, the first Retina MacBook Pro. So whenever that came out, we got it when those first debuted. And she loves it. You know, she loves it. The size and weight are just right for her. And she likes the Retina screen. And it's all great. Except she had a 256 um K, I'm sorry, 256 gigabyte, gigabyte SSD. Uh, SSD. And, you know, with photos, we were able to, you know, consolidate her library, but she, she ran out of space and, and I bought her a, a little transcend uh, stick card, which one of the listeners wrote in about, and it, it goes into the SD slot on the side of the MacBook and it, it has almost zero, um, you know, it, visibility just you know, there's a very little lip that goes around the edge. So it's a, it's a great way to add like kind of a second drive to one of those, those computers. But little did I realize that she was blowing, she was not only blowing through like 80 gigs, she was blowing through 128 gig uh, with her photos library. Cause she just kept adding more and more to it. And so we were in the same boat. So I had the choice of, well, do I just get her a new computer or do I just got upgrade the drive? Well, in her world, her computer is great. She loves it. You know, she's got the cool vinyl sticker on it that she likes. And it does, you know, Word, browsing, Facebook, all the writing she does. All that handles all that stuff brilliantly. And that computer, I know, has at least three years of life left in it. So do I get her a new one or do I just upgrade the drive? And I ended up upgrading the drive and just keeping the computer. because. Now, of, well, did you do this yourself? No. And we'll talk oh. about, let's, let's talk about that um, when we get down to the upgrade section. Because we, we've got a section of the outline to talk about. But but the first question was, do I just so buy a new computer? Yeah, I know. But I, I, I just did not want to um, chance that. I, I watched the, um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I watched the video and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. There's just too many things that could go wrong putting it back together and it's out of warranty. Okay, uh, Katie. Um, so what? where do we go next with this? Maybe um, we should talk about a sponsor. We've been going at this for a while. Yeah, let's let's talk about our first sponsor. And our first sponsor for this episode is our good pals over at One Password. And I think I want to talk a little bit about One Password for the Apple Watch because I've been using the heck out of this recently. You know, One Password, we talk about them all the time. They give you the ability to create and store these strong and unique passwords. Um, which means that you don't have to use the same password over and over again for all of your various websites. Uh, it will automatically generate these strong passwords for you. You can set the criteria for them. Uh, it will then remember them, and they're all secured in their uh, database behind your one master password. And then it syncs across all of your devices, whether it be a Mac, a PC, an iPhone, an iPad, and now an Apple Watch. And then a couple of months ago, um, 1Password now added the ability for two-factor authentication. Um, 
And so a lot of the sites like, you know, Google and WordPress and Dropbox and many other sites now have the ability to support two-factor authentication. So what happens is you get this token um, that you can, you can either have something sent to your iPhone or you can get this token that you can add to a two-factor authentication enabled app, and that will keep your two-factor authentication codes updated. And this is great, which means I can not only have my password in one password, but I can also have my two-factor authentication codes in one password. So I don't have to go anywhere else to get my passwords. And it's very easy to switch your two-factor authentication codes over to one password. In fact, they've got a whole write-up about it. But these two-factor authentication codes can also go over to your Apple Watch. So as much as I love two-factor authentication, it is a little bit of a hassle. So if you're sitting you know, at your computer and you need your two-factor authentication code and maybe your iPhone is sitting in the kitchen and it asks you for it, you've got, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to walk into the kitchen, I've got to get my iPhone, I've got to figure out what the code is. Not anymore, because all you've got to do is lift your wrist and look at your watch and tap the 1Password app on your watch. And if you've got your two-factor authentication code synced up with 1Password, all you do is you hit your, your special code to get into 1Password, and boom. Now you've got all your two-factor authentication codes that you sync over on your wrist. That means there is no excuse now not to use two-factor authentication because 1Password has just made it so incredibly easy. And that's just one example of all the great things that they're doing with 1Password for iOS. You can get in with Touch ID. Um, they can sync all of your stuff seamlessly, including multiple vaults through iCloud, through Dropbox. If you've got multiple vaults, you can sync some through iCloud and others through Dropbox. I mean, they just continue to up their game like you would not believe. This is probably my most used app on iOS and my Mac. So you can go find out more information about 1Password by visiting their website at onepassword.com. And thanks to 1Password for their continued support of Mac Power users. Yeah, so I so with her computer, I uh, I watched the video. It's not really that difficult to replace the SSD, but when you pop that back open, there's just a lot of wires in there. I just did not want to have a problem getting it all back in. And I have a friend who's a very good repair person. And he offered to help me, so I, I let him do it. But um, yeah. well, uh, that's a, that's a good point. Is that you know, keep in mind that many Macs do now have built-in hard drives and RAM, which make it difficult, but maybe not necessarily impossible to do upgrades. Um, especially the older ones, it's a little bit easier to do upgrades in. And you know, these are things that can extend the life of your machine more. We'll talk about you know that a little bit later. But. Um, so you can also upgrade things like, you know, your external devices, like, you know, maybe Apple's going to come up with a retina display at some point. Who knows? Yeah, I was thinking about that, you know, um, upgrading your hardware, your your Mac versus upgrading your peripherals, like your printers, your monitors and things like that. And the funny thing I got think working on the outline is this list is a lot smaller than it used to be. I mean, I'm, yeah, I remember the true. old days where, you know, you'd upgrade your sound card and upgrade, you know, your your fax card remember we had fax cards no i don't and, and all that stuff i mean you would it was like um it was almost like muscle cars uh computers like muscle cars where you would you would just add pieces to it yeah M most of that's not true anymore but um um you know in terms of peripherals do you have a different strategy on that like printers and monitors i mean for me that's something where i run them until they break and then i get a new one and that's i never upgrade them until they break uh, I go a lot longer on them. My my one exception is my scanners. I tend to upgrade before they break and I pass those down um, because the newer versions, as they come out, they just get a lot better. They get a lot faster. They get more features. Yeah, that's true. I do have the most recent scan snap and yeah. the old one I gave away. But the um, yeah. 
But for uh, printers and monitors, in fact, I, I don't even use an external monitor anymore. I, for years, I had two. And now with this big screen iMac, I just don't feel like I need any more screen real estate. I can get by with what I have. Right. Um, let's shift gears a bit. We've been talking about hardware. Uh, let's move over to software and let's talk about the the big. So we'll talk about third party software a little bit later. But for now, let's talk about the big software piece. Let's talk about upgrading the operating system. You know, we're we're about to have an operating system upgrade soon. I, I know you might have been playing around a little bit with the beta already. Yeah, it's, in, you know, um, a software um, operating system upgrades always, I think, make people nervous. And there's two reasons. Number one is uh, it's mo- most likely got some instability to it because, you know, it hasn't been hammered at by millions and millions of users. So there's probably some bugs in there they didn't catch while they were creating it. And secondly, um, and this is a result of things like iOS 7, where everything, you know, people felt felt like they got the rug pulled out from underneath them. It's like the old battle days in Windows. People, you know, who use Windows and they put an upgrade in and suddenly everything was broken. There's there's a certain amount of stigma attached to an operating system. And for uh, people like me and you, I'm always kind of eager to see what's new and fancy and shiny with the new operating system. But I know a lot of people who are not super into this stuff. Um, you know, they look at that with dread and foreboding. It's like, oh no. So the thing that I know works now uh, may not work after I push this button. The idea is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I I would, I would guess for most of our users, uh, they're pretty aggressive in terms of keeping up with the operating system. And as a nerd, I will tell you that when you have the most recent operating system, uh, software developers can give you the latest and greatest features. Uh, quite often the security updates are best with the most recent version of the operating system. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like about upgrading and, and by and large, uh, I guess let's take this separately with the Mac and iOS, but by and large with the Apple products, these upgrades have been pretty good. Uh, the thing that's got people a little nervous on the Apple side is when they decided to go on a yearly upgrade cycle with the Mac. I think that's something that's, that's caused some controversy over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at a couple of things. Um, you've already mentioned st- stability because sometimes they're not exactly the most stable when they come out. Um, compatibility is another thing that you have to look at. And I think you have to look at this in in two different ways. One is I think you have to look at compatibility with your existing software. Is my existing software going to work with the new operating system? But I also think you need to look just as importantly with compatibility for future software releases. How, if I stay on my old operating system, what am I going to lose? What am I not going to be able to do going forward? Um, And then obviously all the new features that a new OS has. And I don't know if we're going to do a show on it or not this year when they finally release El Capitan. But I mean, the, the bit of advice we've given many times over the show is when you do one of these, take a look at anything that's obscure that you're using and make sure that you check online that it works before you do the upgrade. Yeah. Um, but the uh, so I, I'm fairly aggressive and fearless with this stuff. I do the up, upgrade to the Mac operating system. Um, usually before the point one update, I mean, that's some really good advice is just to wait until the point one update with whatever it is. And they, they usually get the, you know, the majority of the real weird bugs before with that point one update. I usually don't wait that long because I want to write about the stuff. Um, and in fact, like you said, I'm running the beta of El Capitan on my laptop and it's so far working great. Um, the, uh, but that's something I think to be aware of is, you know, you want to kind of give it a little time, but you know, I don't think in generally you need to wait forever. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and staying current has never been easier. I mean, obviously the updates now are free. You know, they just, you just click a button and software update. They're pretty painless. Uh, obviously you always want to have a backup. I, I just had someone in my Mac users group ask me this question last week about, I've got this thing in here that says upgrade to, um, you know, uh, not El Capitan. I'm sorry, just drew a blank. Um, What's, Yosemite? what's the current? Yes, Yosemite. Do I want to do that? And, you know, she was running a fairly new uh, Retina MacBook Pro. And, and I said, well, why wouldn't you want to do that? And she said, well, I don't know. Why would I? And so we just kind of went in this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back, back and forth of, well, why don't you? Well, why would I? Well, why don't you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and well, and mean, my, my advice to her is, you know, I just kind of went through the questions with her is, you know, are you running any special software? You know, no, she hadn't installed anything new since, since she got her computer. Um, she just had this trepidation about it. And I, I tend to agree with you. I think after a reasonable period of time to give them to fix any major bugs, I'm a big advocate of staying up to date. I think for a couple of reasons, I think it, it keeps us as users moving forward because it's it's real easy just to stay back. And then all of a sudden you find yourself three or four years behind um, and then it's a lot harder to catch up. And, and I think generally you're going to have a better user experience because Apple designs their other devices, both software and hardware to work with the latest OS. You know, it, at some point, if you're not on the latest OS, you're not going to be able to take advantage of all those features. You know, with Yosemite, we got iCloud Drive. Um, and, it, and if you weren't on Yosemite and iOS 8, you weren't going to be able to take advantage of that. And so you're going to see things like that, you know, that, that aren't going to work. And then obviously security updates, although Apple is pretty good about pushing them back a couple of versions, but usually not more than that. Yeah, I, I was at a, an event recently and there was a bunch of Hollywood people there and they kept, they were talking about movies and they're like, oh, it, has, it has to have enough sizzle. That was the, the, I guess that's a Hollywood term, you know, this is sizzle, you know, <laughs> and, and it got me thinking about OS upgrades and like lately the Mac upgrades don't have a lot of sizzle. I mean, because the Mac is so mature as an operating system that, you know, there, there isn't a lot of big ticket items. I mean, I'm looking at at the El Capitan upgrade and it's got some nice things in there. I mean, notes is better. And like, it's like, that's one of the big talking points. So you already know it's, it's when that person asks an user, well, why should I upgrade? The real reason is, you know, it's the most modern version of the operating system and it's going to have some nice little conveniences in there. You didn't have before, but it's the one that people at Apple right now are focused on making the best. So why not? Um, just, you know, barring that you don't have a software problem. Like every time a new version comes out, I'm always eager to see the dragon dictate still works. And like our friend, Johnny Niddle, who was on our show, uh, has to make sure all of his, his audio plugins work, you know? So whatever it is that you do, make sure it works. But if it does, why not? Um, yeah. Okay. So, can I, can so, I tell you about my pet peeve? Please do. Yeah. I didn't I, know you had any, so I'm oh, really excited I, to hear. You, yeah, I have a few, but you know, one of these is... I, I love my Mac users group. Don't get me wrong. But I, when I go there sometimes, you know, I'll find that easily 20% or more of the users there are running Snow Leopard. Ten Is that 10.6? Yeah, Snow Leopard. Um, and and they're having all of these problems. You know, I, I, my, my browser is not working. I can't upgrade Flash. Um, I can't get this to work. I, this doesn't sync. I can't use this app with it. And, you know, when I say, well, what operating system are you running? Oh, 10.6. And I'm like, well, maybe that's why, you know, because this isn't compatible with it. 
and they're just so hesitant to upgrade. And I asked them why, and there's a lot of fear. You know, one is they're comfortable with it. They've used it. Um, you know, sometimes it's because they have older software, believe it or not, still uh, PowerPC apps that are running in Rosetta that won't run on a newer OS, or maybe because they haven't updated their software to be compatible with a newer OS. I had someone tell me that um, they were a graphic designer and they were using Adobe Creative Suite uh, version uh, CS2, and it's not compatible with anything after Snow Leopard, and so they can't upgrade. And uh, yeah, it just, it just boggles my mind. Yeah, but they're out there. Although I, I, once again, I have a lot of faith in the Mac power users listeners where probably most of us are more at the sharp end of the stick than the dull. So our users are running a lot of this. But but they, but they know people like this. And, and, and here's, here's the problem that I'm trying to get to is that this will create problems. And if you don't, do this voluntarily, at some point it's going to happen involuntarily. At some point that machine that you're running Snow Leopard on is is going to die. And then when you get a new machine, it's not going to have Snow Leopard on it. And then those programs that you were running aren't going to run on your new machine. And and then you're really going to have a problem. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, so, what about, um, since we're in the beta period, uh, what's your opinion on, because uh, now Apple has public betas for iOS and macOS. Uh, do you have any advice for people out there that are thinking about doing it? Don't. Yeah, I think that's good advice. It, it, it's a pain. Like I'm running the beta on my laptop and I had an issue. Like, for instance, I use mail tags a lot, uh, especially with my uh, my day job. And, you know, mail tags has a new beta for every every new release of the operating system, you know, because the way mail tags work, it goes deep into the system. So they have to release a new beta for each new beta candidate that Apple releases. So it's like every two weeks, I've got to spend like 15 minutes uninstalling all my mail tags, you know, and then reinstalling them. And once in a while, something goes wrong and I have to like dump my mail preferences and all of those keyboard shortcuts and everything that I use with mail are gone and I have to recreate them. And that's just a little tiny taste of the, the issues you run into. Um, the, the, if you if you have an extra computer and you want to do it just to see what's coming new, um, that's okay. But just be aware that, you know, you're going to have little things like that. And sometimes they're not just little annoyances. Sometimes they're major annoyances and you're going to have to nuke and pave your computer. So um, in general, I'm not a big fan of um, people who are trying to get work done on their computers becoming testers. It, it just, you know, it helps Apple. It doesn't really help you that much. Yeah. I think people have forgotten a little bit about what beta means. Okay. Um, let's switch over to the iOS. Does anything change on what we just discussed in terms of operating system upgrades? Yeah, well, maybe. Um, you know, I the iOS upgrades scare people. I, I will see people sitting with that little red um, dot on their system prep or their uh, iOS preferences for a long time. I, I think that iOS 7 upgrade scared people when it totally changed their phones. And a lot of people I know have said, I'm never doing that again. Have you, have you run into that? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. You know, I've, uh, some people who... Um, are not very sophisticated users. Well, actually, even some sophisticated users felt stung by iOS 7, which is sad because I never heard of anybody afraid to upgrade the operating system before that. But, um, you know, Apple, they had to make that big change and there were going to be some casualties in that war. (laughs) But they, uh, 
but they did it. And the last couple of years, they've, it's definitely been kind of on the talk cycle where like even iOS nine doesn't look a lot different. They're making changes under the hood and making little changes here and there. Notes got better again. Uh, but, um, I I'm the same way with this. I think that, you know, you want to upgrade it. I wouldn't upgrade it the first day, but, um, give it a few days. And if you're really nervous, wait until the point one update, just like we're talking about, but and in iOS, that point one update can take months. I mean, they're not traditionally very fast at doing it. And yeah, you may not want to wait for the point one upgrade for I- iOS. You may just instead want to wait a couple of weeks or a month or so for the iOS. Upgrade. Yeah. And, um, um and you know, li- what, what did Buddha say, man, life has changed. You got to deal with it. Yeah. You know, again, we're, we're not seeing huge up, uh, changes in, in iOS 9 this year. And I think that's fine. I'm, I'm glad to see Apple taking a, a little bit of a step back. We don't get a lot of iOS updates. I think we're only up to, what, 8.4? Yeah. yeah. And and we're about to see uh, another shift in, in iOS. But, you know, that's okay. I think... I, I think Apple is definitely making a step in the right direction with the iOS upgrades. I, I think a lot of people couldn't upgrade in the past because of the um, because of the memory requirements, because they were finding that they couldn't because they couldn't download it and because that was causing such a problem. Do you um, I don't know if you want to open this can of worms, but what do you think about the yearly upgrade cycle for the Mac and iOS? I'm not a fan. Um it's nice. I mean, it's always nice to get something new and shiny every year, but I, I think it has has been at the at the loss of some quality. I would much rather, I, I understand why they've done it. I understand why they kind of need to do it because they need to keep parity between the devices. But, and so I don't know if the solution to that is to do Mac one year and iOS another, but then you wouldn't be able to make these these changes that, that bring them in sync with each other. You know, maybe we, we used to see Mac updates every two to three years and iOS up, well, I don't know, I guess we've always seen yearly iOS updates. But um, I'm I'm okay with it if we if we slow down a little bit. But it kind of concerns me that Apple is now always working on a new a major new software update. You know what other things could they be working on if if they weren't? There's an excellent podcast that Renee Ritchie and Guy um, and Guy English do called Debug, and um, they often have old Apple engineers in there to talk and. One of the things they were talking about was this upgrade cycle, this yearly upgrade cycle. And the way they explained it was um, basically when you ship a new operating system, most of your engineering resources are going to be spent, spend the first like probably couple months or maybe even three months focused on making sure that you fix the major bugs and problems with that operating system, you know, get to that point one update. So if you think about Apple as a resource, you know, you've got all these engineers who worked on this operating system, you just shipped a new one. Um, so you need to spend the first three months making sure that you fix anything that's wrong with that. Okay. And then he said, then after that, they have like three months to really decide what is going to be new and great about the next one, you know? And then he says they got about three months to kind of get that, the preliminary work done on that. And then, so they get WWDC in June, you know, and then they've got three months to, to polish and ship it. And then they're on the treadmill again to fix that for the three months. So the actual time they spend working on developing new features is only three months, even though it's a year upgrade cycle. They only really have three months to decide what's going to be new and how they're going to do it. Whereas if they had a two-year upgrade cycle, um, they would have more they like could 12. double all that. Yeah. Well, it would be more. It would be more than double because you still would spend three months fixing the old one, but you'd have something more like twelve to fifteen months to work on the new features. 
and then you'd have time to polish, spit and polish and get it ready for shipping. So, um, you know, the argument is if they, if they did a two year, they could actually do more mature and bigger things. And then, and that's something to think about. Now, I'm not sure if that's possible on the, the, the phone operating system, because Google and everybody's moving so fast that you almost have to have a yearly update. But on the Mac, I don't know why we really need a yearly update to the Mac. I would be well, perfectly happy to have Yosemite for another year and, and have them give them another 12 months to work on really amazing new features for, you know, the next version of El Capitan. Well, and, you know, and in the past, we've had a nice 0.5 update. Yeah. That so, actually threw in a few new features, but no more. I don't, we, I mean, we're lucky if we even get to a 0.5 update. And who are we to really figure this out? I mean, neither one of us are engineers by trade and don't understand the economics and the market for, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why they do what they do, but, but I would, I would hope that um, somebody really thought long and hard before they put the Mac on a yearly update cycle. Cause I can think of some good reasons why it would make more sense to put it on a two year and on, on the phone operating system, I'm not sure that they have a choice. I think they almost right. have to do it on the yearly cycle. But anyway, um, that's what we have. So here we are talking about when you should upgrade. Yeah. Well, we've been we've been prattling on for a while. Do you do you want to take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor? Yeah, I would. And uh, that is, I believe, a, a new sponsor. I don't think we've had them on before. And no, that's they've been friends. on once before. I'm sorry. That, our friends over at Igloo. I, I've just been in a haze lately, Katie Floyd. I can't explain it. No, no, it but, but So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at Igloo, and it's the internet you'll actually like. I love this company because you hear so often about how terrible enterprise-type software is and work-related software. Igloo is a company that is, like, setting the new standard with this. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk or to your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting or share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client site and access the latest version of the file from your home. You can you can even do this in your pajamas and nobody will know. And I like that. Uh, but these days, everything is mobile. So your work should be too. And it looks great. If you've ever looked at your intranet uh, and you think, you know, who designed this thing? Um, that's why Igloo exists because the, it looks beautiful. And those days are over of having these ugly intranets with Igloo. It allows you to make your internet feel like a place you actually want to be. It's surprisingly configurable, and you can completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your team. Uh, they have group spaces, role-based access permissions, and easy drag-and-drop widget editor that allows you to organize the whole platform to fit exactly how your team works. Uh, with the mobile lives, people are increasingly bringing in outside apps into companies and sensitive documents are getting scra uh, scattered across platforms. You don't have to have that anymore. Igloo will support it. You know, um, if you've got Igloo, it has integrated services like Box, Google Drive and Dropbox into one big, easy to secure platform. And if you know terms like 256-bit encryption or single sign-on and Active Directory integrations, then you know just how safe and secure Igloo is. With Igloo, you can share the files with your coworkers or collaborate. Uh, you can track who's read them and get read receipts. And it can be super useful for making sure that critical information has been seen, keeping everyone on the same page. So it's time to break away from that ugly intranet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it for free uh, for any team team with up to 10 people as long as you want. So think about that. If you've got a small company, 10 or less employees, 
Uh, maybe this is something you just want to go in and try for free for a while. Uh, go ahead and sign up over at igloosoftware.com slash MPU. That way they know you came from us. Once again, igloosoftware.com slash MPU. And thank you so much, Igloo, for supporting Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So we've talked about this a little bit uh, on past shows. I don't know how recently we've talked about it, but if you are going to uh, do an upgrade to your software, to your operating system, do you just click the little upgrade button when it pops up in software update? Or do you go the whole, what we fondly call, nuke and pave route, which means you back up your machine, you completely erase it, you reinstall the new operating system, and then you put the new stuff, you put your stuff back on. So it's fresh and clean. Every year about this time, we start getting the emails asking us this exact question. I think I needed to make a text expander snippet. And almost every person who asks us this question is someone who came from PCs. Because on the PCs, it really, at least it used to be, I don't know what it's like today, uh, but it used to be you you had to just nuke and pave every time you did a system update. In fact, back then, <laughs> a lot of people would just wait, not upgrade a, a PC operating system until they got a new computer. Um, uh, but but um, that's not the case with Mac. Um, you can go ahead and just click the upgrade button and you're probably going to be fine. And I think we may do a show on Al Capitan because there's, there's probably enough there to talk about. But the... Um, my advice is just upgrade. Just press the upgrade button. Make your life simple because you've already got your Apple scripts or your macros or whatever it is that you've done on your computer and rebuilding that stuff is a pain. So just try clicking the upgrade button. And if you run into trouble, uh, there is a methodology to nuke and pay if you can do that later. I, I tend to agree. Um, unless you're having a problem, go ahead and hit the upgrade button. Now, I have done some nuke and paves recently. You know, when I was when I was having some problems when my machine wasn't quite running right, when things were running slow, um there is a place and there is a time for for nuking and paving, but I don't think it should be the default. I think it should be more of a troubleshooting step or maybe something that if you absolutely have to because you you just have, are of that mindset that you decide that you do every set number of years but I don't think it should be your default anymore. Yeah, I, I just did it this week because I had a a drive problem and the um I just I hadn't done it for years and man it is easy now. It is so much easier than it used to be. But Yeah, it's gotten a lot easier. So in fact, a related issue there is upgrading third-party software. So we've talked about the operating system and the hardware. What about this third-party software? And um, the big question we always get in this regard is, do I buy the upgrade or the software from the developer website or the app store? Why can't Apple just make this better? You sound frustrated, Kenny. Is this, an, is this another pet peeve? This is another pet peeve of mine. <laughs> well, why, a, I mean, why does the Mac App Store suck? Um, you know, I don't. I know that's like a common theme in the blogging world right now is to to, bemo- to bemoan the the Mac App Store. I think it gets some things right. Um, well, you know, sure, it does some things right. Well, I mean, it's well, it does some things like, for instance, as we record this, I'm using a little application called Shush. And when I need to cough or whatever, you know, I can push a button on my keyboard and it silence. It cuts the mic. It's basically like a switch for my mic. It's a cough button. I, I paid like two bucks for it. I bought it in the Mac App Store. If I had bought it before the Mac App Store, I'd have to find it, which wouldn't have been necessarily easy and give my credit card information to somebody who I don't know. Um, 
with the Mac App Store, it makes it really easy to buy this kind of utility type little software. I can install it on multiple machines. I, in essence, have multiple licenses for it. Um, whenever the developer does a little upgrade, um, my Mac tells me and installs it automatically without going to the website. And and historically, the stuff you buy in the App Store has better iCloud support, although that's not as true anymore. I mean, there's a lot to like about it, but it seems like it's been hard for people to really make a living on the Mac App Store model, and uh, partly because there's just not as many Macs as there are iOS devices, so the market's smaller. But um, you know, that doesn't really answer the question the listeners have: is do I buy? You know, do I do do I buy the new OmniFocus from Omni Group or from the App Store? I mean, I, I answer that email probably once a week, and um, and my advice is it depends. You know, for the little utilities like Shush, I don't have any problem at all buying them in the App Store. For the bigger stuff like OmniFocus or basically anything from Omni Group, I just buy it from them. And um, no, they don't give it to me. <laughs> I actually pay for it because I use it for my living. I feel like I should pay for this stuff. And, um, you know, when you buy it from a developer, you get faster upgrades because they don't have the middleman. And sometimes it's more powerful because they don't have the sandboxing limitations you get with the Mac App Store. And, and then, yeah, and the developer ahead. gets all of the money instead of Apple getting the cut. But there are also a couple of other things that you can get when you're buying direct from the developer. And the, the big one that I think is the opportunity for upgrades. You know, when, when you buy from um, using Omni as the example, you know, when OmniFocus version 3 comes out at some point, and I don't know this, I don't know anything about this, I'm just using this as an example they will likely offer you the option to upgrade from OmniFocus version 2 to OmniFocus version 3 for a discount. If you bought OmniFocus version 2 from the Mac App Store, there is no upgrade path. I, I know developers have tried all kinds of things about app bundling and in-app purchases and things like that to try to give people upgrades, but there's no upgrade path from the Mac App Store. There's no officially supported upgrade path from one version to another. Now, point releases, those are great. Those are easy, but there is no officially supported upgrade path. Um, you know, the the other thing that's that's difficult um, with the Mac App Store is is trials. There, there are no free trials in the Mac App Store. You know, if you went to Omni website and we're just using them as an example, but other developers' websites too, you, know, you can typically download a free trial of a software and use it for 10, 15, 30 days or whatever, you know, before you buy it to see if it's something you like. Uh, to me, those are two big, big problems with the Mac App Store. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't even care so much about sandboxing, but if the Mac App Store would fix, um, you know, paid upgrades and and if they would fix free trials, I think that that would be huge. Now, let's talk about upgrading third-party software. Kind of the, the more meta question that we were discussing earlier is, like, if you've got something you rely upon. We just had a big upgrade to Microsoft Office just in the last few months. Um, do you just automatically do that upgrade or do you wait and see? Haven't, may not. I don't know what you just said. Haven't upgraded yet and I may have not. not upgrade. Okay. Yes, oh, really? have not and may not. Okay. And is that just because it's Microsoft or is that your general attitude towards no, this thing? No, part of that is because it's Microsoft. Um, it depends. You know, um, with the Microsoft software in particular, I'm not a fan of the subscription model based on the way that I use it. Uh, I know we talked about that in a previous episode. I know you like the new Office 365 and there, there are various reasons for that. Um, I'm going to look at buying it when the boxed version that you can purchase comes out because I, Microsoft's comes out so in Microsoft software for the Mac comes out so infrequently. 
for me, I think it's going to be more economical to buy the boxed version than to subscribe to a subscription plan. We'll see. I just want to wait until it comes out and evaluate those options. But yes, I will likely upgrade to the to the new Microsoft suite. I just have not yet um, in waiting until that, that new boxed version comes out. But to answer your question, it depends. It depends on the software. Um, I believe it or not, I mean, there's a lot of software that I install on my computer, and I'm sure you do too, because we evaluate a lot of things. We demo a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I try to run my Mac pretty lean and mean. You know, I don't keep a lot of software on here that I don't use. Um, my application folder is is pretty much only got stuff on it that I routinely use. And when a major uh, release to software that I routinely use come out, then yeah, I, my, my default is I will typically upgrade for a couple of reasons. One is I want to support that developer um, for a piece of software that I regularly use. Um, two, I want to make sure that I get the new latest and greatest features. And, you know, three, I want to make sure that that software is going to continue to work as I upgrade my OS. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the same considerations going, if this is something that you're, you know, paying for your shoes with, um, don't just blindly upgrade first, make sure it's working, you know, maybe read some online reviews, maybe let it be out for a while, wait for a point one or at least a month just to make sure everybody's happy. Like um, Apple's been kind of legendary about this lately. I mean, they they really changed the iWork suite. I don't think they call it the iWork suite anymore, but they really changed pages and numbers. And Keynote a year or two ago, uh, they've done the same thing with, uh, you know, shuttering Aperture for photos. And they did the thing in Logic. And, um, you know, so they've been, they've been, you know, really coming out with new versions of their software that are materially different. So you want to find out if, if you're up against that and um and what everybody thinks of it and otherwise you know i do think part of this is you have to kind of go with the future i mean as things do change uh whether it's microsoft or apple or whoever makes this software that's key to you um if you're not willing to upgrade to the most recent version understand that the older version is not going to get much support anymore and that's going to come with a whole list of problems that you're going to discover slowly and painfully, as Katie was mentioning earlier with the older operating system installs. So uh, my goal is to generally be in favor of it, you know, go out and, and do it, but do it wisely and don't go crazy. Well, and I think you also said something very important is I think you need to evaluate the programs that you're using. And if this is something that you are using in your profession that you're using to pay for your shoes with, I think it was the, was the phrase that you use. Um, then, then yeah, you probably do need to upgrade. You do need to stay on the version. It was kind of like that person who told me, and this was not in the too distant past, that they were a graphic designer by trade, but they were using Adobe CS2. To me, that's interesting. You know, that's a, that's a product that's, that's, I think, more than 10 years old now. And um, that just makes me question, is that that's probably not the right tool for the right job for what they're using. They're probably more of a hobbyist with what they're doing with that. And maybe they aren't. Maybe they've got some special plugins that they use that that only work with those. But the average hobbyist doesn't need Adobe. Um, you know, maybe they got a version of CS2 somewhere and, and they liked it and they just kept it. But do, do you really need Adobe Photoshop? Or maybe will Pixelmator work, full disclosure, their sponsor later, I just, you know, threw that out as an example, uh, that you can buy for a fraction of the cost. And so that's what I mean by I really run my Mac lean and mean. I used to have all the Adobe Creative Suite um, uh, applications, but I just don't need them anymore. You know, those other ones work fine for me. Okay. Um, 
let's take a sponsor break and talk about doing some of these upgrades ourselves. We can get back to Daisy's computer. Okay. Um, well, our next sponsor for this episode is just something that I absolutely cannot live without, and that is SaneBox. So you can find out more information and sign up for a free trial over at SaneBox.com slash MPU. So what is SaneBox? SaneBox will keep you from going insane with dealing with email. So SaneBox is incredibly smart, automatic email filtering. Here's how it works. You start off and all of your email just gets dumped in your inbox and you don't know what's in there. Maybe it's important, maybe it's not. So what do we do? We just leave all this junk in our inbox and we don't deal with it. What SaneBox does is it helps you by automatically filtering your email so that only what really matters is in your inbox so you can focus on it, deal with it, and get rid of it. So the first thing that it's going to do is it's going to create a folder for you called Sane Later. And SaneBox gets smarter the more you use it. So anything in that inbox is going to be what's important. And then everything else is going to go in that same later folder. Maybe it's things that you've been CC'd on or BCC'd on, or maybe it's things from low priority senders. Maybe it's from people that aren't even in your address book who you don't even know. But it's crazy how smart that SaneBox is, and it gets even smarter the more you use it. So first you start off with your Sane Later folder. Check your inbox and then maybe process your Sane Later folder only a couple of times a day when you have a chance. The other thing they give you is the Sane Black Hole folder. So when you get emails from those people that you never want to hear from again or those spammers, throw them in there, boom, they're gone. You don't have to deal with them. And what I really enjoy about SaneBox also is the snooze folder. So you can create folders for deferring emails until... Whenever you can defer emails until the next business day or the weekend, or I just used their vacation folder because I was on vacation for two weeks. I turned on the snooze folder for my vacation and said, okay, when are you going to come back? I put in the date. And then as I got email on vacation that I couldn't deal with and didn't want to deal with until I get back, I threw it into my snooze folder for my vacation. And when I got back in the office that next Monday after my vacation, all of that email popped back in my inbox, but I didn't have to sit and look at it for the two weeks that I was on vacation out of sight, out of mind, but it came back at the appropriate time when I needed it. And also SaneBox helps you stay on top of things that you need to do. So if you ever sent somebody an email, but maybe they didn't follow up with you, you can also create a Sane reminder. So for example, if I send David an email that I really need a response to, I can CC like two days at SaneBox.com. And if David doesn't get back to me in two days, I'll get an email from SaneBox saying, hey, Deadbeat didn't get back to you. You might want to ping him again. So SaneBox is great. It does more than just filtering. It will save your attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services. They've got various pricing plans that start as low as just $4 a month. But we can do even better than that. If you go to SaneBox.com slash MPU, you can save $10 on any plan, which can give you up to two months of SaneBox free. They've got a 14-day free trial, so you can go try it before you buy it. But if you're like more than 60% of the other Mac Power users listeners who have tried it, you're going to go ahead and buy it before your free trial is up. So go check them out at SaneBox.com slash MPU. And thanks to SaneBox for their support. I totally see. I've been really sick the last couple of weeks with those kidney stones and I'm finally better. Thank you everyone for the, the well wishes. But for a couple of weeks, I ne I would have not made it through without SaneBox because <laughs> I was barely able to do anything. The, um, but um, so let's talk about, you know, instead of upgrading your hardware by buying new hardware, what about doing some upgrades to your system it, yeah. it's not as easy as it used to be i mean just like going back a few years ago they had the macs where you could take the battery out and and those macs actually had a much easier um 
uh, hard drive upgrade options as well. But as things have become more compact, you know, they, they don't really want you getting into it. And the batteries kind of hardwired into the machine. Uh, the hard drives are now, it's not a traditional hard drive that you could go to any store and buy a replacement. It's these little cards that have a bunch of SSD chips on it. And all this stuff is great. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of SSD and the speed it brings and the, the fact that the computer is lighter and smaller and doesn't have a spinning drive in it. I mean, when you think about how nutty that was, that we'd carry a laptop, a portable computer that had a drive running 7,200 revolutions per minute that could at any time just destroy your data. I mean, it's nuts, but all well, that stuff is gone. I also think a lot of this has made these machines uh, more um, the length of their life expectancy. Yeah, pow- more power efficient, cooler. I mean, everything is better about it, except when you want to upgrade one, it's not the same thing. Like I have upgraded so many laptops over the years and sort of drives. But when I faced this question with Daisy's computer, I watched the video. I probably could have done it, but I had a friend that does it all the time. And I just paid him to do it for me because I felt like, you know, this is a very expensive computer. And if I screw this up, it's going to be thousands of dollars to, you know, to replace it. So I went ahead and paid somebody. Um, uh, either way, it was it's not that much money to pay someone to do it. And it's not that much money really to upgrade. We put in, in Daisy's computer and, you know, this is all relative, but we put a one terabyte SSD. She now has a bigger storage than me. <laughs> and, um, but it was like, I think it was $500 for the drive from OWC for the, the stick with one terabyte SSD on it. And then, you know, it was about a hundred bucks to get it installed. And you, so you, everybody out there can probably find someone to do it for them for about that price or they can do it themselves. That's a lot cheaper than going and buying her brand new computer. Yeah. I got to tell you, I've had really great. I mean, the Apple, I don't know if the Apple store will do that for you. Um, I don't think they will do third party upgrades, but I have had just some excellent experiences with Apple authorized uh, service providers in my town because we don't have an Apple store here. Um, And if you go in and, and talk to them and see what kind of services they offer, a lot of it's really economical. Some of them will require that you buy the drives from them. And that's that's understandable because they want to make sure they know what they're they're working with. But if it's not something that you're comfortable doing yourself, I was just in my Apple authorized service provider for an unrelated issue. And I was just, you know, they had a board um, with with prices in it. And, I, you know, an SSD upgrade was was very, very reasonable. I think I think they like installed it for free or very low price if you bought it from them. So I thought it was very one, reasonable. One bit of advice I'd give there is like when I went to my vendor to, to upgrade Daisy's is I was insistent that they use the OWC drive. I didn't want to use something from a company I'd never heard of before. Right. Because it's a lot of money, you know, to put in an SSD of, of one terabyte size in 2015. And I didn't want to get a, a bum product and I wanted to use a vendor that I trusted. So uh, if you're going to someone else to do it, uh, try and make sure that they're using good parts. Yeah, and then they may just charge you, you know, more for the install or something. You just uh, usually they'll do it at whatever their their labor rate is. But yeah, but you can do it yourself. I mean, I uh, I probably could have done this myself in hindsight, but I just didn't didn't want to deal. With, and I also, this was going on while I was dealing with the uh, the infamous kidney stones. Yeah, you didn't want to have a kidney stone attack in the middle of a a critical yeah. moment doing that <laughs> anyway. But I I was it was really bugging me cuz I knew that we had to throw the switch on her computer to say don't load the originals cuz she was just out of space. So at that for about a month we had her computer with all of her real photo backups in the cloud. 
And uh, I had done some things to back them up before we threw the switch, but I, I wasn't comfortable, you know, not having them here. Uh, so, um, so we went ahead and got it done, but you know, it's an option to everyone out there. So what are the big upgrades you can do right now? Uh, it's Ram and SSD. Yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, David, the first one that you do, especially the first one you do on a particular machine is, is very nerve wracking. Um, but it gets easier, you know, it's like anything. The first time you do it, you're, you're pretty terrified. And the second, the third time you do it, it's a, you know, it's, it's, I've done a lot of, uh, 2011 era MacBook pros, and those are about as easy as you get. Cause they're the, they're the pre unibody you just pop off the back and, and put the hard drive in the RAM and they're, and they're right there. And yeah, I've got those down. I can do those in, in 10 minutes now. Um, but you get a lot braver. I, I would say think twice about working on machines that are still in warranty because doing so will, will likely void your warranty. Um, and I would say, especially the first couple that you do, make sure that you either do them on your, oh, I would say always do them on your own machines um, or do them for friends or family that you've got a very explicit understanding with that, I'm doing this purely as a favor. And if this crashes and burns, you know, what's going to happen with that? Yes. Um, uh, cause you, you knew what would happen, David, if you had crashed and burned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, um, so Ram upgrades, what do you think about, um, doing the, I mean, like for me, I'm generally in favor of buying a lot of Ram when you initially get the machine. Because that's it's just such an easy upgrade. They aren't that expensive, and um, it always makes this machine run better. So I usually get as much as I can when I buy it. And especially with, like, some of these new laptops, I don't think you can upgrade the RAM. As far as I know, they're, it's soldered, it's soldered on, the, on board. the board. Yeah. So, and I think you have to be very aware of that at the time. It's actually, I think you can upgrade, or it's at least possible to upgrade the hard drive, where it's not possible to upgrade the RAM on some of these laptops. So... I think you need to look at where you put your money. And I think if I'm looking to extend the life of a Mac that I bought today, I would put my money first in RAM, then in an SSD, and only then later in in um, in a processor. Processor would be the last thing that I'd put my money in. Well, for so many people, the you know the difference between the high end processor and the low end processor on any given MacBook is going to be, and you look at the reports, I mean, Mac world used to be very good at this. I don't know if they're still doing it, but they, you know, it'll show you like, you get like a 15% increase in performance. Um, if you're not doing something where you're going to notice that, then it's just money wasted. Like if, if you're doing word processing, you're never going to notice it. Yeah. If you're doing, if you're, if you're doing a lot of encrypting of data or you're rendering video, then you may notice it. But even then the imp- increase in speed is not, it's not like a hundred percent increase. It's usually around 10 to 20%. Right. And you're even seeing that when you make a generation jump, you know, the new MacBook pros may only be 10 to 15% faster than last year's MacBook pros. It's, it's hard to say. You know, is that is that worth it? I think it it may be better served putting in a SSD or putting in some RAM. And you mentioned it before, but there's some great resources now for for people doing it themselves. OWC has video, um, and then iFixit also has some great guides. I I will tell you, I did ruin the IR port on a on the Mac Mini because I pulled the wrong way on a on a plug. That can happen. It can happen. Yeah, uh, if you're going to do it yourself. I would go to both of those resources. OWC has videos. Um, I fix it has really great high definition photography showing each step and, and detailed notes with like tips. 
Yeah. So you go through that. You kind of like go through it virtually before you start the project. And um, for a lot of the Apple stuff, they have proprietary screw heads and, you know, there's all sorts of weird things in there. I mean, Apple does not want to make it easy for you to get in there and start messing around with your computer. So um, if you're going to do this, get the right tools. I fix it. We'll sell them to you. You know, because the last thing you want to do is end up stripping screws because you're you're using an improper screwdriver. That just is a nightmare. Yeah. And, and, and you can see why at one point in this whole process, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go have someone do this for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do the last sponsor. Let's talk about, um, a little bit more about reasons why we want to upgrade and not upgrade and, and let's make the case for legacy systems as well. I think there's something to be said there, but before we do that, let's talk about the sponsor that we've been kind of alluding to throughout today's show. And that's our friends over at Pixelmator. And, um, you know, you talk about upgrades and people talk about Adobe and they say, Oh, it's great. Now it's $10 a month for Photoshop. And I'm like, yeah, but that's $120 a year. <laughs> and uh, How much do you really need it? Especially when you have something like Pixelmator, that's a fraction of that cost and you just own it when you buy it. And one of the most impressive things about Pixelmator for me is the aggressive upgrades they've been doing. I mean, every, it seems like every three or four months they come out with a new upgrade that does something amazing and you never have to buy the software again. They've always made this just an upgrade and I bought it in the app store. I get my upgrade. It comes down and I've done some really amazing work with Pixelmator. It's not that hard to use and they've got great videos on their website to, sh- site to show you. They've won the Apple design award. It's developed for the Mac. So it's going to take advantage of all all the great stuff on the Mac when they come out with the new Mac operating system. And it's got something that makes uh, managing photos or makes something that processing photos better. Pixelmator, I guarantee you will be the first people to take advantage of that. Uh, they take advantage of the latest technologies. They have powerful tools that let you touch up and enhance images or draw or paint or apply effects to your existing images. They have advanced compositions and it's done very easily. Uh, once your images are ready, you can access them anywhere because it has iCloud support and you can send them to, to iPhoto or Aperture or even Photos now with the new updates coming out. Uh, you can email them, print them, share them, save them to popular images. It's a powerful pixel accurate collection of selection tools so you can very easily select and remove backgrounds. You can apply special effects and the painting tools are amazing. That's all I'm going to say. You got to go in and play with them. Uh, if you want to do retouching, it, it's just such a great compliment. Pixelmator is to photos. You know, now that you've got the photos app, if you want to get, you know, bring your images to the next level, you can do that. And it's both on the Mac and iOS. So they've got versions for the iPhone, the iPad and the Mac. Um, there's over 160 different effects you can play with. You can combine them to make, um, you know, really a great number of different effects. And you can very um, have very artistic looking pictures with very little effort. And you see the results in real time. It, it renders it for you right there because they're using all these great tools that Apple has made with these operating system updates. It's got layer styles, non-destructive layer effects like shadows, outlines, colors, gradients. And all this stuff is, is just there for you. It's compatible with many different image formats, uh, PSD, TIFF, JPEG, PNG, PDF, and many other popular formats. And it can open and save Photoshop images with layers. So, um, and you've got the iCloud sharing built in. We've heard from a lot of listeners over the years since uh, Pixelmator started sponsoring us that say, you know, I, I heard the ads and I never really needed it or was always afraid of photo imaging. Uh, and they get in there and they like it and they love it. And they, you know, 
they're they're making great images with it because if you go to the pixelmator.com i believe slash tutorial they've got all these great video tutorials to show you how to do it and we've also heard from listeners who say i'm a huge you know picture nerd i've been using other software for a long time that costs a lot of money I finally gave Pixelmator a try and it's perfect for me and I love it. So we're getting people from both ends of the spectrum that are, are jumping onto the software. I use it all the time. Katie does all the artwork and my books is done with it. Go check it out. Um, I really like these guys, what they're doing and um, they've been great supporters of the show. So check it out. Pixelmator. If you do get it, let them know you heard about it from us. And uh, thanks Pixelmator for your ongoing support of the Mac power users. All right. So we've talked a lot about reasons to stay up to date. Obviously, you want to have the latest features. You want to make sure that you are being supported. You want to make sure that your software is compatible with the latest operating system, the latest releases, the latest features. I mean, is there anything that we really haven't covered with? I, I think you and I are both big advocates of of staying current, staying updated. You know, it's kind of just fun sometimes. I mean, this is... This is a passion for me, and I'm sure it is for a lot of the people that listen to the show. And it's fun being kind of at the edge of this stuff and seeing, well, how does this new font look? I mean, one of the things I'm loving on my my little laptop that I've got El Capitan installed is the San Francisco font as a system font. It looks amazing. I mean, I now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. And when I go over to my iMac that I'm keeping in, you know, the old, you know, Yosemite so Katie doesn't come after me with sharp knives. Yes. But I, I miss Yosemite. I mean, I, I, mean, I miss uh, El Capitan. And the San Francisco font. It, it's just fun sometimes being in there at the front end of this stuff. And I know that there's risks and all these other things. But once the thing gets released to the public, um, it's fun. I, like one of the things I love doing when we get a new operating system is just going through the system preferences and seeing, you know, what are the new little subtle changes that have been added to make this thing more useful to me. And um, and I think there's something to be said for that. And just like when I was talking about in the Pixelmator ad read, uh, you get tons of benefits. Uh, under the hood that you don't even notice like you know Pixelmator uses some of the underlying graphics processing that that was in, in uh, added to the operating system now you don't see a switch for that in the preferences but when you make a change to an image it's almost real time and that's because of you know the new changes to the operating system and them taking advantage of that so um, I think there's a lot of good reasons to do these updates now what about the flip side of that what's the good reasons to keep a legacy system well it depends on what you mean by legacy system. And, and I'm going to take this to mean older hardware, because I don't know that I can think of a great reason to keep older operating systems running unless you have a very specific software related business need to keep old software running. Um, and, and if you do, then I would encourage you to to take a real hard look at that, because again, as I said, that day will come that you're going to be forced to upgrade. And and so I think keeping legacy hardware running is one thing, and we'll talk about that. I'm not so sure I see a great reason to keep legacy software running, at least long term, maybe short term during a transition, but long term, I question. Um, if you disagree, send us feedback. Uh, hashtag AskMPU or feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. But to keep legacy hardware running, I mean, I, I've got some legacy hardware running here. I've, I've got a 2009, you know, Mac Mini that I've got running as a home server. And I've, I've got iTunes and Mail Rules and Hazel and uh, all kinds of things running on that. And, and I love that. But you can also use these legacy systems, um, you know, as, as spare or backup machines, or you can pass them down to friends and family. 
Uh, and, you know, if you take good care of your machines and you keep them running longer, you can end up saving some money potentially in the long run because you don't have to upgrade so frequently. Maybe you don't have to upgrade every two, three or four years. Space it out a little bit more. What what uh, operating system are you running on your 2009 Mac Mini? Yosemite. Yeah. Not not a problem. I've got a, I upgraded the RAM uh, to eight gigs and I've got an SSD in there. A smaller yeah, and, SSD, but, uh, you know. And that's where you run into trouble is when it gets to the point that your your older hardware won't take the latest and greatest operating system. Yeah, but you know what? It, it will run El Capitan. Yeah. In fact, I, I don't think anything that runs Yosemite can't run El Capitan, if, if memory serves. I think that's true. So what are you going to do in terms of, I mean, it sounds like the hardware, you and I have both said, you know, we're going to kind of wait out a little bit with our hardware. I'm very happy. I have very new hardware, actually, so I'm great. Um, what are you going to do in the next couple of months in terms of upgrades? Because we've got upgraded operating systems to the Mac and uh, the iOS. Um, my hope, my hope is to uh, keep my MacBook Air going at least until we get new hardware upgrades in the laptop. I, I want to know, I want to see where the MacBook is going. Um, I'm not happy with the current MacBook as my primary machine. I know you you love it as a secondary machine. I think it's probably a great secondary machine, but I want to see where that goes with Gen 2. I also want to see where the MacBook Pro goes. Uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, I've got my eye on. That will likely be my next computer. But I also want to see, does it get USB-C next year? Does it still keep Thunderbolt? Um, you know, do do we see some more uh, of the things that were in the MacBook line, you know, run down to that machine? So I, I want to see what happens with the next rev of the MacBook. So my plan is to keep my MacBook Air as my primary machine until that rev happens and then upgrade. Um, this is not my year for an iPhone, so I'm going to keep my iPhone. I will likely buy the new Apple TV as soon as that is released. And then I got to tell you, I'm questionable on the iPad. Um, I, there's no re I have no reason to upgrade my iPad. I've got the Retina iPad mini and I really like it. Although I am thinking about going back to a full size iPad again, um, just from a reading perspective, I, if I'm, if I end up, we'll see how classes go this year, but if I end up having more PDF documents that I, that I need to read for class, um, I may go back to a larger format iPad, although I really have no reason that I need to upgrade my iPad. My, my retina mini from a power perspective is, uh, is, is fine. So we'll see. And, you know, obviously with the job change and things like that, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to be a little more frugal and, and aware of, of where I spend my money. I will tell you, if you read a lot of PDFs, the bigger iPad is worth it. Um, but that's actually not the, the, what I meant to ask you is how quickly are you going to do these upgrades to the El Capitan and OS and iOS nine? Oh boy. I totally answered the wrong question there. Didn't I? It's okay. I, yeah, I got you, to learn about your, your buying habits. Yeah. Which you, is, you, you know, stop I'm going to, I'm going to sell that portion of the video of the uh, podcast to Google. Yeah. Okay. They might have some use for it. Oh no, day one. Day one. Day one. Well, but that's right. me. I, no, that is not a recommendation. That's just me. I mean, that's yeah, what we I get do. It. That's what we do. Um, I I likely will not upgrade day one on on my um my work Mac Mini. So I will likely upgrade everything except my work Mac Mini on day one. My work can, Mac Mini. I'm going to wait until you know I make sure that everything's compatible and there's there are no problems. That that one I may give two or three days, or a week or so. I, I can tell you, I cannot wait to put El Cap on my, um, on my, um, on my iMac. And I know it's going to work because like, uh, when the iMac had the problem last week at the lap, I had a meltdown with my computer right before we recorded. So I had to pull out the laptop and I, 
recorded from the lap from the laptop and all of the Skype and other podcasting bits seem to work. So yeah, I can't wait to upgrade that. Uh, OS nine, same thing. I'll, I'll upgrade them day one, but you know, that's not necessarily the right answer for everyone. Maybe you want to wait a week or two case the world melts <laughs> you were you were podcasting on a beta system i, I told you, you, did, I, told you I don't think week. you told me i don't think you told me i told you i told you I, it was the jonathan man show and and it worked out okay uh, I mean, you better be glad it worked out okay because i would not be happy if i had known <laughs> am i am i another one of your pet peeves i think so <laughs> all right everybody so uh there's our answers to your upgrade questions um let us know. I mean, we've got a, a live show we do every month. If you've got something, uh, hashtag ask MPU on Twitter gets it to us or even send in an audio comment. I'm sure we missed something that's important to you. Let us know. We'll go ahead and add it to that show. And we will uh, want to thank our sponsors, 1Password, Igloo, SaneBox, and Pixelmator. And you can leave us feedback on Twitter. We are at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I am at Mac Sparky. You can also send an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. I'm sorry about the delays on that stuff lately, gang. I've been sick, so I'm trying to dig out and also answer some of those emails. And um, what else did I get at all? Oh, show notes. You can yeah. get show notes over at um, uh, relay.fm slash mpu uh, slash 274 for this show. And um, we will see you all next week. Absolutely. Hey, can we just say that JT's been killing it lately with the show notes? Oh, yeah. I mean, always. We have such great show notes, and we, we get no credit for it. It's all JT. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.